Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Granada Blitz 319 in the house right here on TuneIn, Google Cast, Player FM, on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, as well as on Spotify and always on Block Talk Radio. Your host, Oscar Lopez, here. We're going to have a great show today, two hours of the Gridiron Blitz jam-packed. We're going to start off with talking about the U.S. Women's National uh, Soccer Team Equal Pay Verdict uh, that was uh, decided this week. And it's up at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Great Iron Beauties. You can check out all the articles there as well. Huge news. Uh, just yesterday or so, uh, women's, tack, uh, women's flag football will be introduced in 2021 with the N, uh, NAIA, which is a huge movement. I know uh, Dion Lee has been working to try to get, you know, uh, tackle football nationwide in the high school level. And now we're going to see it at a collegiate varsity level even though it's NAII, it's still a big step for women's tackle football. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the WFA uh, season that was just announced to be canceled. Uh, we're also going to be talking about the WNFC versus the WFLA in terms of different models and scopes in that nature. And we have two guests today in the uh, No Joke Football Huddle, and that's going to be uh, Gabriella Farrell of the New York Wolves and um, – also known as Coach Gabby, and uh, Corinne uh, Snub de Jesus. Coach Snub will be here also of the New York Wolves. She'll be here in about a half hour, and then we're, we're going to be talking women's football workouts, especially with the state of COVID-19 and how we could do things at home and still stay maintained for the 2021 season in terms of the women's tackle scene uh, globally at this point, not just in domestically in the States. And you're able to dive into Coach uh, Snub and Coach Gabby on their uh, women's uh, football workouts, and you can find them on IG. And once they come in here, we'll give you all the details about how to get hooked up and how to start your training and maintain your training at this point. We're going to have the Hall of Famer, Holly Custis, in the house. Uh, and then in a couple of minutes here, we should have the salty one, Mackenzie um, Brooks. And in about an hour or about an hour and a half from now, we are going to have uh, Nate Ward, our ex-league insider, talking everything uh, X-League for 2020, whether there will be a season or not. We're going to be talking Austin Sound and Seattle Thunder. So it's a big show today. So uh, just buckle up. We're ready to roll, and we should have a great uh, great two hours of the Great Iron Blitz. If you missed any of our episodes, you can always go back onto our links at the hub at facebook.com, episode 318. If you missed it, the Hall of Famer, uh, breaking it down, NFL 2020, and any other other episodes that you want. Go to the hub there as well, or you can always come here to Block Talk Radio, or you can just go directly to Apple, iHeart, or Spotify. I want to uh, thank everybody for throwing us over 7,700 likes on Facebook this week. Uh, we were at 75 last week, and between last week and this week, we have uh, basically gained almost 200 new followers, uh, bringing attention and awareness to women's tackle football uh, globally. So thank you for those fanatics, as well as a big sale this week, we had uh, 25% off and 30% off sales at the No Joke Football Shop, and I really appreciate everybody going there and getting their stuff and buying this stuff and taking advantage of it. If you get, get Sazzle Black 
for an additional $10 in the States, uh, in North America primarily, uh, you can get free shipping. So if you come back to us often, you can get free shipping on that. So let's bring in the Hall of Famer here. Let's kick off 319 here. And then, uh, like I said, Mackenzie Brooks should be coming along here in a little bit, and we'll kind of dive into that as well. Holly, um, everybody was shocked at the verdict, um, but I'm going to just go, you know, go over some of the details on it first. So the U.S. women's football team, the soccer team at this point, they call it football obviously overseas, uh, the women's uh, football team, the bid for equal pay has been dismissed by a court with the judge rejecting the players' claims that they were underpaid compared to the men. Uh, the lawsuit obviously was filed by the team. They had been seeking $66 million in damages under the Equal Pay Act um, at this point. Uh, Molly Levinson, of course, a decision. Uh, she said, we were shocked and disappointed, unquote. Uh, quote, we will not give up our hard work for equal pay. Um, she said, we are confident in our case and steadfast in our commitment to ensuring that girls and women who play this sport will not be valued as lesser just because of their gender. Then uh, the judge, which is uh, Gary Klausman, allowed the player's case for unfair treatment in terms of travel, housing, uh, medical support to go to trial, which is set for June 16th, which is about a month or so in Los Angeles. So the ruling was uh, the women have been paid more on both a commutative and an average per game basis than the men's over the class period. So uh, obviously Megan Rapino was disappointed. So she tweeted out, we will never stop fighting for equality. Uh, also, Alex Morgan, uh, although disappointing to hear the news, this will not discourage us in our fight for equality. And um, so we left it at that. I, I know previous to this, we had talked about it. Uh, Carlos Cordario had resigned in March. Uh, we had made a note of it like, you know, about a month ago after lawyers for the U.S. governing body made submissions as part of the lawsuit in which it was claimed that the job of a soccer player on the national team quote, requires a higher level of skill based on speed and strength, unquote, than their female counterparts. So we had talked about uh, their reply was obviously at the She Believes Cup in March. Uh, and that's when they turned their, uh, their tops inside out during the warm-ups to hide their badges, leaving only the four stars um, to represent that. So at this point, this is where we're at. So I'm confused in one sense. Is it because of the time frame? Is that, in other words, that's the issue? Or is it the fact that, I mean, I don't even, I don't even know if it was revenue related at this point, because maybe you can enlighten me here. So obviously it's um, a disappointing outcome, but I think mm -hmm. what you have to do is go back a few years when they um, uh, basically were trying to ratify their, newer CBA that they're under now. So in that situation, I think what happened is that the women wanted to negotiate certain things to be guaranteed because historically they have not been paid well or treated well. So they gave up the right in that CBA to get paid based on um, you know, uh, in a similar way to the men. So they are being paid differently because of the CBA. The problem is, is that the judge is ruling on the differences between the CBA agreements and the women are pushing for an overall ethical uh, battle. 
So he's ruling on a technicality, and women are fighting for an, uh, an ethics um, issue. And so, so in that situation, when they're negotiating um, the CBA, from what I understand, hmm. they went to, uh, you know, they went to battle, and they were trying to negotiate what the pay would look like, and they were told, this is the best it's going to get. You're not going to be paid the same amount as the men. So they kind of were like, okay, well, this is the best we can get. At least we'll get these guarantees that these other areas, like, uh, you know, insurance and, and in that area, that they'll be taken care of, which historically they haven't. So they kind of took it for what it was in that moment. And so what happened is the women were really good. And so when they're looking at this time period, the reason why the women ended up in this uh, couple-year window with with a better rate and overall pay is because they won more, which meant they played more games. So it's a little bit frustrating if you're on the player side because you're basically getting punished because you took as much as you could with the CBA at that time. Then you're getting punished because you played better. And if they had played fewer games during that point because they weren't as good, then uh, then the judge, I guess, would have ruled a different direction. But I think what is basically apparent is that the judge is just looking at the CBA agreements and not seeing the bigger picture. Um, and then uh, on the so same Holly, part, Holly, is the lawsuit? More of the of the my understanding is the lawsuit was basically specifically to that it wasn't basically as a, an a, an overall umbrella for for the equal pay is that my understanding because that's where I'm confused so, like, two, so the judge two the sections. judge basically said right the judge basically cited that undisputed fact that from 2015 to 2019 the women's national team averaged uh, 220 thousand per game in total payments mm-hmm. for a total of 24.5 million dollars while the men's national mm-hmm. team averaged 212 per game in total payments for a total of 18.5 million so that's what mm-hmm. you know that's what i guess he was going on the basis between the time frames so those figures did not include right. station uh for the women's players received from the US uh, soccer for for play in the uh NWSFL or NWSS NWSL, <laughs> if I can pronounce right. it right. Um, so when so you play of, more games, yeah. there's more mm-hmm. pay, right? Because the men right. during that time period weren't very good. And when you're playing in tournaments that are you lose your out type of situations, you're going to play less games, which equals less pay. So on the one hand, he might technically have a leg to stand on when you're comparing it from the vantage point that he is. But on the big picture, they negotiated that type of deal because historically they weren't treated well. So it's kind of a compounding issue in that in that moment, I think that the women's team, when they were negotiating that CBA, they were a bit more on the conservative side because they were just trying to catch up as much as possible to the men as far as the other things like insurance, travel, the things that the the, uh, judge is allowing going to trial, those other factors, they were fighting for those. And so when you look at the the bigger picture on that, there's more to it than just the CBAs. But I think the judge, his ruling was just on the CBA. 
So I think hopefully in the future the women's team will get so, more aggressive when they negotiate so that. Holly, so, Holly, his his point was what was presented to him was that he cited that the total compensation alone was insufficient, right? So a woman could mm-hmm. earn more in total but still be paid at a lesser rate to violate the right. pay act. So, in other words, they, he said right. you were fairly compensated, right, within that time frame. So the within other part that, of the – the other part of the, uh, um, what do you call it, the, the lawsuit is what's going to go forward in June, right? The, uh, right. the equal, equal amenities, in other words, you know, the, all the other stuff that should come uh, as part of the federation, basically, what is afforded to the men anyways. Right. And so basically what's happened is that, you know, this whole debate, the, the because the women were so successful, it kind of it kind of bit him bit them in this situation because they wouldn't have played mm-hmm. as many games and therefore wouldn't have gotten paid as much and therefore their argument between the CBA agreements with the unequal pay uh, situation would have probably had a little more weight. But in the court of public opinion, I think soccer has missed an opportunity to really get this right. They could have taken the, the WNBA path. They could have settled. Um, and tried to at least bridge the gap a little bit and negotiate it in good faith. But instead, the real crux of the issue is their vicious public attacks against these women and female athletes and, and females in general tells you what they really think. So even though the technicality might have lost in the case, it's evident that there's a, there's a history of sexism uh, against these women in this sport. And so I think... They're, I don't know who was running their PR, but I think they really hurt themselves by publicly going out there and and really uh, trying to hurt the public image of these players because now nobody believes anything that they're saying, and they're going to have to work to try to uh, mend that bridge with these players and these future athletes that come after them. So, Holly, so we put it in perspective, okay? Um, so the judge basically concluded that the differences in payment structure were the result of choices made by the women's and their union, right? Mm-hmm. So including guaranteed right. annual salaries of at least 100000 for 20 contracted players not and not discrimination by the federation in that sense, right? So that's so one of the – On the, well, that on was the, the surface, ruling. yes. Yeah, that was the ruling. So the right. other portion of this whole thing was – so we're talking – we're talking the ruling was within the structure of the contract, basically. That's what we're really getting boiled down to, right? right? The, the, the structure of the contract right. says you were, you were fairly given an opportunity to negotiate, basically. So do you right. think at this point the women's team, the, the negotiating team, do you think they made, maybe, uh, like you said, maybe they, they should have stood their ground prior to making that arrangement or agreement? And because, like, to your point, I, I think, here it is, and you know what I mean? There's like, it's like a pickle, right? It's like, it's like a catch-22. Damn it, you didn't, damn it. Yes, I think, I, think, I think probably what happened is that they tried to negotiate more, but they weren't, you know, when you're negotiating CVs, a lot of things are said back and forth. So from their mm-hmm. understanding, they didn't think that they could get more, so they had to backtrack and focus on certain areas, right? So... Mm-hmm. Now that this whole thing has happened, they have more leverage in the next CBA. And I think 
I don't think it's necessarily that they didn't try the last time around. I think it's that they tried, they weren't getting any headway, and then at that point in time, the powers that be weren't going to listen to them anyway, so they took what they could get in that situation. They mm-hmm. and they were on, like, the 10-yard line. They kicked the field goal. They got the three points, mm-hmm. and they moved on to the better day, right? And it's right. not to say that they couldn't have tried for the touchdown. They they probably were trying to get the touchdown, but they realized, you know what, let's get the three points and move on to the next CBA, right? So now that right. this has happened and all these arguments have happened and the public opinion has happened, even though they lost right now, they'll still appeal. And I think even if they lose the appeal, the next CBA uh, round, they have a lot more leverage to stand on now because they were successful. So I think even though it's a short-term fail, it might be a long-term gain later because now the soccer people that be have to take them seriously, um, you know, because of all of this. So hopefully well, it ends in the right if direction. You, if, you but, take, if you take anything away, to your point, uh, they don't have to prove that anymore, right, on the next bargaining right. table because they already have, like you said, it's merited already. You know, their their success has already been proven. In other right. words, you know, the record stands how many games they played, how successful they were, and all that other stuff. So um, my understanding from my notes that I gathered from, like, various sources from, you know, New York Times and ESPN and all these – is that the ruling – so went through a detailed history of the collective bargaining process that uh, led to the current CBA between U.S. soccer and the women's – uh, Players Association that was signed in 2017, right? So uh, the mm-hmm. judge noted that representatives for the players rejected a pay-for-play model identical to the men early in those negotiations in 2016. In later negotiations, the players offered a counterproposal with lesser bonuses than the federations offer in exchange for more contact uh, contracted players and higher base salaries, uh, benefits. And benefits not part right. of the CBA between U.S. Soccer and the men's union. So, in in reality, they they didn't get basically shafted in any way. They they got what they wanted. They negotiated fairly. They got what they needed. So the issue now is what is it the accommodations and amenities? Is that what we're going forward for June? Is that what we're doing now? I mean, they're going to feel well, this, if, which is separate from that, right? There's like two different right. Lawsuits so basically, going yeah, basically. Um, in that moment, again, like, mm-hmm. it's not that they they didn't deserve more when they negotiated the CBA because they did. I think what, you're, what you have to realize is if women were treated equally and fairly the entire time, this would have been a non-issue. So what the women are doing is they're trying to make up ground for all this entire time that they haven't been treated fairly, right? And so I think you have – a little bit of two steps forward, one step back type of thing happening. So in that moment, even though they negotiated a different way um, that ended up hurting them in this case, in mm-hmm. that moment, they actually got uh, better situations in a different angle that they didn't have before that men have always had, right? And mm-hmm. so the um, the pay-for-play thing they were going more for the guaranteed contracts because they had never really, they had never even sniffed the same amount that the men had, right? Right. So in that situation, they're going with a lower risk um, type of situation with the guaranteed pay rather than pay for play. 
um, type situation, right? The performance based pay. And so right, right. in that moment, I think they did with this lawsuit is not really necessarily arguing the CBA, um, you know, in this moment. It's arguing for the last however many years that the, the league, uh, or not the league, the entire sport of soccer has ignored these people. So that's where I think there's a difference, where the judge is judging on the so, CBA so Holly, and the players the lawsuit, are looking at the whole history. Was the lawsuit misinterpreted? Whoever wrote this no. up was misinterpreted because you're saying no, we no, should no. go back under equality. You would say if you go back, you know, before the before the women's game started or got popular, in, in other words, then that's that right. should be the basis for the lawsuit, right? Under the equal pay, but based on based on what was presented to the judge, it was only the short short amount window, which is what 2015 right. to now, right? Primarily, I don't think so. That, under that window, I don't think that it was under that window. The women's players received under their own CBA uh, with what with what would they would have received under the men's CBA discounts the value that the team placed on the guaranteed benefits they received under their agreement, which they opted for at the expense of higher performance bonuses. To your point, so I think it's it's not that it's misguided. I think it's an it's a necessary step because they they need to bring attention to the fact that for many years they haven't even been in the same ballpark. And they needed mm-hmm. to bring attention to the fact that there's been disparity for this long. So, again, I think this is a short-term loss for a long-term gain. And even though uh, the judge is ruling on the CBA on the surface, this is not a surface issue. This is an ethical, long, historic issue, right? So, mm-hmm. and then the smaller things that the judge is allowing to go to court, that tells you that there is something there because they're they're not being treated um, fairly in these other ways as well, right? So if they're mm-hmm. able to gain ground on that avenue and get somewhere with the appeal, then you're getting somewhere. But at the end of the day, it's about the war, not the battle. So even though this is a frustrating setback, I see it more, I see the long-term situation. And that's how it's so going to be because... So Holly, your analogy is uh, this somewhat short-term uh defeat right as you would call it mm-hmm. um if they if they win the june um lawsuit which is has to do with amenities and normal accommodations um so they they probably would have if they win that in other words they win already because like to, to your point yeah. the next cba uh based on their performance already with the you know with the prior success the next cba should be a better negotiated cba based on merit Right, because there's just no question there oh, anymore. Yeah, yeah, because basically, I feel like looking at this and and uh, all the research I've, I've seen on it, it's almost like they need to do this to bring soccer to the bargaining table in a fair way, because they've been ignored. Whatever requests they've been, they've tried to get out of these people, they haven't been able to get. That's why they kept having to kick field goals instead of getting the touchdowns. Where the men right. have every opportunity to go for every touchdown that they want. They might not get every one, but they'll get a, a giant portion of them because they're automatically thought of as a higher uh, athlete, and that is what the um, soccer people <laughs> did with their PR team is they, they kind of lost their leverage that they had. If they were smarter, they would have just kept their mouth shut and let the, the courts fight it out. Yeah, I mean, but instead, back in March, they... back in March remember, <laughs> uh, it was 
uh, it was argued that the women's players did not meet EPA requirements for performing equal work because it, uh, it, because it alleged they were physically inferior to men's players which and that the women's game carried less responsibility than the men's game. And I, uh, that was which tells uh, back you everything when, that you need to know. Yeah, yeah. Because they weren't. Which I think they which we talked about it, which was which is basically yeah. a, a really dumb, stupid, you know, comment. <laughs> like, yeah, because basically you, what you're saying is. Oh, go ahead, sir. No, go ahead, finish. Oh, I was just going to say, basically with their um, statements out in the public, they are confirming that they have ignored this group of, of female athletes for the longest time. And we don't know what's happening behind the scenes of these, you know, bargaining situations, right? And I'm sure these women have been fighting for forever to try to get heard. And so the fact that you're out there saying that they're, they're less than or they don't deserve it tells you the mentality that these people were, were going into the negotiating uh, uh, segment with. So I would imagine that would be so frustrating <laughs> to try to negotiate with a group of people that thinks that you're less than. How are you right. supposed to get any touchdowns in that scenario when they won't even acknowledge that you deserve to be on the field? That right. That's the part that I think is the war and not the battle, right? They're looking to, to have people um, in these situations acknowledge that they deserve to be there and treat them with respect like they deserve to be there. And that hasn't happened for the longest time. So, again, short-term loss might equal long-term gain. All right. So now the question, uh, we got Salty One in here also, so she can chime in if she needs to. So, Holly, based on everything that we know right now, obviously they'll appeal, as to your point, and the appeal obviously will go towards a different type of, you know, review. Um, do you think Cindy Parlo Cone, which is the predecessor to, uh, you know, the uh, Carlos Cordero who made that, you know, that statement, Cone is going to be a lot more uh, understanding in terms of the next CBA, uh, you know, uh, arrangement? Well, I think it's evident. I mean, my thought is that they, they put a, a woman in that spot to, to kind of save face. Um, okay. I don't know her personally to like know one way or the other, like if she'll be more sympathetic or not, but I definitely think that was a PR move, right? What do you do when the leader um, of your entity goes out and says women are less than you, you have him leave and replace him with a woman. That's how you, you try to fix that PR disaster. Right. So that's probably why they made that move, but I'll be interested to see what she does do because the way she handles it will tell you, is she um, legit going to take the situation seriously or is she, uh, like, unfortunately, under a lot of pressure from these other people that want her to do something else, right? So is she going to be her own person and make the right decisions or is she going to be uh, manipulated? That's really what's a, the, the problem we won't know until we get there, right? I'm hoping that she's her own person and she's going to listen and uh, – uh, do it correctly, but we won't know until we get there. So, Holly, based on the scope of the sport, last time we talked about it, back in March, we mm -hmm. said the, the world governing body, uh, I believe which is run, and, uh, run by a female, so the world governing body doesn't see women's soccer on an equal playing field as the men's, number one, right? Then we have each federation 
expected to kind of negotiate their own with, you know, male and female players. So, you know, to me, it's like, we wouldn't be happening. We wouldn't be having this issue even on a U.S. soccer level if FIFA would somehow figure out a compensation type of arrangement with the with each federation, right? Because right. the women's game, the women's game has to be viewed differently. And you know, we've talked about it in the past. They have they've had more success. Okay, so when you know um, the Twitter, you know, if you go to Twitter, obviously Twitter is always political. So Twitter political mm-hmm. will tell you what um, what's the first comeback, right? That they should they should get uh, they got to produce to get equal pay, which they've done. So there's right. right within the same within the short time frame they have produced, right? They have put U.S. soccer on the map. They are the best in the world. You know everything has been produced. Then you get the other you right. know well compared to the men they don't play enough tournaments, right? Remember we talked about that in March. Okay, well. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's you can't even compare on equal status because the men's generates a lot more tournaments than the women's, so the opportunity is not there. Mm-hmm. So you know what I mean? So, so it's kind of like right. I, I think Cindy Parlo Cohn, to your point, has to make a decision about basically the branch of women's soccer in terms of the of the scope of the world onto the map and say, okay, this is the best in the world. We're going to go forward and negotiate and give them all this stuff, right? because they deserved it. Right. So if she does right. it, to your point, then it's more of a, of a maybe internal politics, right? Because then you got to talk about, right. you know, the federations and you talk about everybody internally. So that basically becomes um, a situation where we're going to be basically where we're at now in terms of a court battle mm-hmm. in, in a lot of sense. Right. So we get another court battle pretty much. Um, so Holly, what do we what do we do in June if they get what they deserve in June? So you, to your point, then they have leverage for the new CBA. That's what you're saying, right? Right. Yeah. No, I think like if they if they're able to to um, basically stick them on on a couple of these points, then their argument and leverage increases when they come back to the. Um, negotiating table with the new CBA. Then they then they can have something physical and tangible that they can say, you did not treat us fairly. You need to fix this, right? It's basically like going to um, your uh, teacher and your, or maybe you're in the principal's office and now you have proof that this person has been wronging you for many, many years. And now that person has to actually do something to rectify that. And um, so I do think that the you know um, they should be able to maybe make some headway there. They can they're still going to appeal the the main case. Um, and I think they've actually, in my opinion, already won the the side battle of the public opinion, which is a big deal because even if somebody feels that women are um, as legit as men which we know that we don't feel that way, but even if somebody has that opinion, money speaks volumes, and money and public opinion creates leverage. So they might end up having to make concessions to these women of necessity for their brand. So it's unfortunate because it should just be that they are kind people to do the right thing, but that's not always the case. Sometimes uh, public opinion can actually drive um, change as well so um, we'll see what happens but I, I think even though it kind of is sad in the moment I think there's a lot to still battle out 
All right. Mac, uh, let's get your take on here before we bring in uh, our our guests. So uh, I know you read it already and you heard all the net, all the information. So just uh, give us the take on what you're thinking. So overall, um, the, the main argument is that um, you have to have revenue to pay the players. Very true. You know, your sport has to be able to bring in revenue, but revenue isn't a limited thing. Revenue is ticket sales. Revenue is merchandise. Well, revenue is naming rights, you know, it's branding, things of that nature. And every person I've had a conversation with, like I started, I posted it, like I shared it, you know, to my Facebook and everything. And um, people have just been talking about, oh, they're paid adequately. I said they may be paid adequately outside of FIFA as far as maybe their club teams or um even Team USA with, you know, sponsorship and accolades, but on a FIFA world level, not so much. Um, and it, it, it would be different if accolades didn't play a part in sports, but they do. The U.S. women's mm-hmm. national team is, is the only team other than the, the German women's team to win World Cups back-to-back-to-back, like triple, triple cups consecutively um, as far as the women are concerned. So, that I mean, that alone is enough accolades – over what the men what the men have or haven't done in the last you know in the last couple of World Cups. I mean the last to, to be honest, and this is not you know I'm not knocking the men's team. I'm not you know being facetious or anything. But um, the last time the men's team was really relevant was when Landon Donovan was in his prime. I mean and no, and just, I think just, I really think uh, Mac. I, I really think uh, Holly laid it out pretty clearly. Uh, I think the the ruling was not really. An overall ruling, I think the ruling was just within that time frame that they've negotiated with. And so I think to her point, it's, you know, the next CBA should be an uh, upper leverage for them. I think the verdict in June, if they get it, which they should, because that's more of an equal, equal mentality, which is, okay, they're the best soccer players in the world. Why would they not get accommodations? Um, so I think the ruling in June might go in their favor and to Holly point they'll have more muscle when they have to renegotiate a cba unfortunately it shouldn't be that way as to holly's point but this is where we stand so um so at this point this is where we stand so we're hoping that in june they get what they deserve which they should and the next cba negotiation should be more compensated because like to your point uh they've already you know done more than in terms of a scope for the federation than the men's have done in like you know 50 something years so um so yeah, you guys can go to the, other thing is, get the articles. Go ahead, McKenzie. No, you're fine. I was just going to say my other thing is, is, is just bouncing off of what Holly was saying. Um, you know, mm-hmm. unfortunately, sports world over are still seen with a gender. And that's what we right. have to get past is while there are two separate genders, the sports as an entity does not and should not have a gender. Like a gender. It should not have a gender. Like because I'm a chick. I should not be looked at any differently or have a different pay scale because I'm a chick in my, you know, and I play football or I'm a chick and I, you know, I'm in the WNBA. Um, and why, like, why we're still having this old conversation of, you know, who fits into what realm and who should be able to do what and who should get paid what because you're, you know, of what sport that you're like men, men and women that play sports are depending on what sport it is, you know, whether it's, you know, the f- football or, or counterpart are literally like physically risking their the same thing as their counterpart. 
like quite literally. It doesn't matter what kind of level it's on. Like, then that, that's what irritates me is that you can have, you know, you, we do have the U.S. women's team who is virtually and really doing the same exact thing the men are doing, except the women are actually competing on a higher level because they've been to three World Cup to Cups back to back to back. And they've won those. They also, you know, they also have Olympic medals on top of that. So because because people still see things with a gender, it's, you know. And like I said before, you know, it's more of, I think, a world body, world governing body mentality because FIFA's got money. So if the FIFA, you know, wanted to make federations on an equal level for both men and men and, and women, they should they would make it happen. You know what I mean? So I, I think really the governing body is an issue too. You got issues there as well, not just with the individual federations. But all right. So like I said, you guys go to the hub. There's a couple articles there on from different uh, sports sites and that detailing the verdict. And we just disclosed it here, so you can do a replay if you want uh, of the last uh, 30 minutes. And Holly kind of explained it pretty thoroughly. Um, so we'll dive into that. Uh, you know, if you want to dive into that, which the podcast. So you just do the replay. Uh, if you missed a Holly's NFL 2020 recap, go to the uh, Gridiron uh, Blitz 318, and it's on replay now on Apple, iHeart, and Spotify. So you check it out there. All right, let's bring in some uh, very talented uh, ballers and also transatlantic champions and uh, also WFA champions of New York Sharks as well as the New York Wolves. And that would be Gabriela Farrell and uh, Corinne De Jesus, and that known as Coach Gabby and Coach Snub. And uh, ladies, what's going on? Hey, how are you? Doing Hi, fantastic. Oscar, you how are you doing? Us? No problem. We're good. Always uh, in the how house. You? Uh, you guys are here with uh, Holly Custis, as you probably know, and uh, the salty yes. one, Mackenzie Brooks. Hello. Hi. So exciting. <laughs> We're so excited Hello. to be here. Holly, it's well, been a guys, while. It's I, good to hear your voice. I wanted to, I wanted to bring you guys good on because you guys are venturing, venturing out to this women's workout during COVID-19. So I saw it on my feet, and I'm like, we got to bring these girls on here to kind of give us an idea. So um, is this a partnership, or are we working in unison? What, what's, the, what's the deal, in other words? Yeah, so um, Snuff and I are working together. Uh, we've always had very similar views and actually backgrounds in training, um, as well as um, playing football together. So we've always had a very good uh, team teamwork mentality. So it's, the transition's been pretty easy so far, and I don't see that changing. But um, it's been really awesome getting to uh, kind of, like, work together. But um, – with a common mission to like bring more awareness to the disparities between um, women's football and the fact that we have like less resources than men. And um, so I think there's just a lot of, a lot of lack of knowledge for how women should train to prepare for football outside of um, obviously team practices. You could, you learn a lot from your coaches and everything, but there's a lot of information um, that's, like gaps in information and I think that leads to a lot of injuries in our sport and ultimately the lack of playing years um if I think the the longest the women in our sport that have the most successful careers and like really make the biggest impact um have 
a bunch of injuries and come back from it. But I think a lot of women kind of stop playing because of injuries or get turned away due to injuries. And I think a lot of training would actually help prevent some of that happening or just make um, the recovery from injuries a lot better. So uh, women should be less afraid of strength training and learning how, and we're just hoping to make that more accessible for women. Um, I think virtually right now, as everyone's stuck at home and providing uh, workouts that you don't need equipment for, there's still so much you can do and just knowing how to do it and uh, get coached by two knowledgeable coaches that actually have a passion for the game and women's sports. So uh, sorry for rambling, but <laughs> I think that covers a bit of no, it. No, <laughs> you guys are excited. I mean, everybody's yeah. excited. I mean, this is perfect opportunity because uh, everybody had to reshift, right? It's like every business had to reshift. Like I'm, my business is social media, so it didn't really affect me. But if you had a brick-and-mortar business or if you're a personal trainer and you're always, you know, or like yeah. going to people's homes and on the go, right, and or bringing them into the gym and that kind of stuff, so your whole mind, your whole right. world was literally unraveled, and you got to like get creative, right, to still stay in business and to still help out your clients and and all that stuff. Um, Corinne, For sure. are you in the same are you in the same light here? The you know the shifting and COVID nineteen and sort of like yeah, how do so how do you still was, stay in shape and all that? Yeah. So before uh, COVID nineteen hit, um, I was actually personal training at a gym as well as teaching classes, um, which both actually shut down. So um, with my clients, one-on-one from the gym, I actually went to FaceTime with some of them and tried to just adjust there with what we um, could get our hands on with dumbbells they have or if they have resistance bands or, like, just home equipment that they have. Um, It's not the same as the gym, um, but it's a good time because it's a good time to get creative. It's a good time to work on things um, that we wouldn't normally work on when we're at the gym. Um, so I guess that's kind of like the silver lining in it, which is really good. And then, which is well, also gotta, the silver lining. The power of mobile. Women. You know, your mobile phone right. power now is exactly. like more convenient now than anywhere. Um, let's bring in Holly here to pick you guys' brain on this new venture, which is women's football workouts. Hey, how's it going? Hey, good. <laughs> good, good. Um, I'm glad that you guys are on. I know that as a player, um, I kind of went through a series of workouts. You know, I had like a whole training uh, plan going on, and then they closed the gyms. And then I was like, okay, you know what? I, I have some like fields and stuff around here, like some turf fields. So I started doing that. And then they shut those down. And then I was like, okay, let me go to the park. And then they shut those down. <laughs> and then then I was to the point where I've been literally, um, you know, on a bike during conference calls and in parking lots doing whatever I can and yeah. feeling a little bit like Rocky trying to chase chickens. But um, I'm really happy that you guys have, like, uh, done some stuff in this avenue because I know that a lot of us are like, gosh, well, where do I go and what do I do? And it's really tough. So, um, like, how did you, you know, adjust your your personal training plan? Did you have a similar phase that I did, where you kept having to change it every day? It felt like, or so. Um, so with the personal training, um, like with my clients, um, are you referring to or with myself training? Um, as yourself. a player. 
Um, so with myself, I started when COVID-19 hit, I started trying um, just to run more, um, just to develop more endurance. Um, just because when I was, when gyms were open and everything like that, I was really focused on heavy lifting and really straight away mm-hmm. from um, developing that endurance that I definitely would need um, during the football season. So I guess that was also a silver mm-hmm. lining in it. Um, but now with that as well, like you were saying, it's kind of scary to go running in the park with everything going on. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why that's how we kind of developed this with the players and everything because it's tough, like you were saying, just trying to find the right um, workouts to participate in, especially when you're at home and right. especially when you play football. Um, you don't want to just um, participate in, in exercises that the general population are participating in. You know, we need to develop that power. And we need to still develop that strength. Um, when we're on the right. field, whether or not you're a skills player, you're a lineman, you still need those those fundamentals. Um, that's really where uh, the idea came from. Um, mm-hmm. And just getting creative at home with the things that you have. Um, if you don't have weights and you want to just throw textbooks in a duffel bag or um, just working on the, the basics of power and I think that this is really forcing a lot of players to realize the little things that they really do need to work on um, which mm-hmm. we had our first session today and we did have a lot of players reach out to reach out to us and tell us that these are the small things that they really need to work on and they didn't realize they needed to work on until we actually performed the exercises which was really great to hear back from them that, that's awesome uh, what would you say the most creative thing that you've had to use or somebody around you has had to use uh, for equipment? Um, so for today, we use paper plates. On a wall. <laughs> awesome. which was, on a wall. On a wall, which was really, really dope. It was really dope. <laughs> so um, serratus wall slides is what we're referring to right now, but there's uh, – that was really like we used a wall um, paper plate and that was kind of like mm-hmm. an overhead pressing movement. So typically any program that you're following would have like a push, pull, um, squat and hinge movement. So we're still keeping the programming based around that. But because so right. many athletes uh, through years of playing, you just kind of get a either more um, like traumatized part of your body or you come back from an injury <laughs> and you have like a stronger or more favored leg. Um, and so right. now we're just kind of breaking that down, like encouraging uh, unilateral training with um, single leg, single arm, and just really focusing right. on that. And so I think through this, anyone that is still looking to get better, there are things you can do and um, weaknesses that you can work on to turn into strengths. And then that's just kind of uh, increases the threshold of, where you'll be in a month or two from now when we're all through this and back in the gym. Yeah, but that's awesome. And it's a valid point because I think when you don't have the normal equipment that you're used to and you're having to do different exercises, I think it does actually highlight, oh, my gosh, maybe I've been overcompensating for this and I didn't realize it. And so that's awesome that you're doing that. Um, My other thought was, Another thing that I, I've heard a lot of people, not just athletes, but even my coworkers struggle with, is what do you suggest uh, nutrition-wise to keep up with? Because, you know, your whole routine has changed for a lot of us, and I know that can be challenging for, for people. Uh, what do you guys suggest uh, with uh, trying to keep up nutrition-wise? Um, so I always tell people when um, 
I get asked that question um, because I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a registered um, dietitian, but I can um, take my clients and take other people on the right path with that. So my key thing with that is, and I tell my clients all the time, just to really focus on getting at least 20 to 30 grams of protein in every meal. A lot of people like to um, skip breakfast because they're not hungry. Um, their, their, their body can't take breakfast. It's too big of a meal. Um, if that is the case, I would suggest, and again, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a dietitian. Um, but I would suggest just getting like protein just to throw it in, in, um, about eight ounces of water, just so that you're getting about that 20 to 30 grams of protein without actually Mm -hmm. having to intake an entire meal. So I know it's really hard, especially now that we're all really quarantined and we're not like the ratio of, of just sitting down all day to exercising for about 30 to 30 minutes to about an hour is not really adding up. So it's a little bit harder um, with people just trying to find the right path um, with nutrition-wise and what to eat and not trying to gain as much weight. Um, but I mm-hmm. would say just try, if you're really going to be committed to your fitness journey and you're quarantined at home, my best advice would be at least try to get two workouts a day. Two workouts 30 minutes a day or two, work, two workouts an hour a day is good, um, especially if you're just sitting home all day doing nothing. You know, it's really hard to really add that ratio up um but yeah 20 to 30 grams of protein you can find protein in a lot of things um chicken if you're a vegetarian you can find it in beef even eggs two uh two to three eggs is probably like five to ten grams of protein you know just find just making sure that you're getting that about 20 to 30 grams of protein in every meal you don't want to eat less but you don't want to eat too much you know you still want to make sure you're getting that right amount that's awesome advice for sure because I know it's it's really tough right now for people to do that. Another the the final question I would have for you guys is I know for me it was a struggle because um, my day job is in an office but I'm still an active person so I would always get up and like walk around in the office and like go get water and go work out and so when I came home and I'm like stuck in this like smaller space like it uh, it took me a while to like kind of figure out my new routine and how to cope with that. How do you guys suggest people staying mentally strong? Because I know everyone I talk to is kind of like a roller coaster and it's up and down because it's, it's, I don't feel like we're meant to be cooped up. <laughs> so how do you suggest yeah. that people deal with that as well? Um, I actually have been uh, kind of tailoring my check-ins with um, clients in my gym um, to being more like, are you drinking water throughout the day? Because you don't have that water cooler that's in your office. So um, mm-hmm. how some people have uh, kind of like re or um, working from home when you're work, used to working in an office and you're used to walking around, kind of setting a timer for when you would usually have your lunch break and still trying to keep to that usual time that you have lunch or um, trying to like pair things that you would normally do together, like uh, drinking water um, around 11 a.m. and then setting a timer for three hours from then because it's really <laughs> – like time gets away from you now and um, it's very easy to like fall into bad habits, I think. Um, And just trying to keep it simple with, uh, you know, not being too hard on yourself if you can't get those workouts in, but just trying to take like it day by day and um, build momentum where you can. So my advice is start your day with um, a, a good routine, which would be like 
some type of movement. If you can do like 10 minutes of mobility or like yoga or stretching or whatever kind of movement that you find enjoyable and starting your day with that usually um, sets you off for a better day or a more productive day. And um, I think that's been helping a few of our members, even though it's not easy to do that. Uh, reaching out for some accountability is always a good one. And we're always available for any advice. Um, we're doing a lot of like free stuff right now. So if anyone's needing advice, always like reach out. Yeah, that's, that's awesome stuff that you guys um, are, are talking about. So I'm glad that you're doing this. I definitely think there's a need, you know, um, I think as athletes, it, this is probably a trying time for a lot of us that are used to being out and bound and be able to do what we want to do. Um, so thank you for your work and I'll pass it on to Max. Yeah. Thank I mean, you. Also, yeah, definitely. I, especially difficult for athletes right now. I feel like this is our really busy time of year for us usually. And now we're stuck with uh, less than usual. So I think just doing what you can and trying to recreate your usual habits would be some type of help. But good talking to you, Holly. Nice talking to you too. <laughs> Ladies, what's going on? What's up? Matt. What's up? How you doing? Oh, dude. Super pumped the both you guys are on here. Not gonna lie. Was pretty <laughs> jazzed when I saw that. I said, Oh, we're excited. Yes, I love it. Okay. Yes. So my first thing, my first question is what originally gave you the idea to, you know, hop, and I hate to use this term, like hop on board, you know, or because it sounds so cliche and <laughs> terrible, but, you know, what, um, what gave you both the idea to work together and let, and let alone work with just, you know, really specialized in, you know, our realm of women's football as far as, you know, the, um, the COVID-19 quarantine workouts, um, yeah. you know, for, for our kind of athletes. So it's actually, think, um, um, oh, go ahead. Oh, Snow. Go ahead. <laughs> go. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll start how it originated and then you can tag on. Um, so it's actually <laughs> funny um, because there was actually a player. So I do uh, classes generally for general population. Um, and I actually had a football player um, reach out to me about joining uh, the, gen- the classes for uh, general population. Um, and later that night, there was a post on Facebook um, that she posted an act about um, just having that uh, virtual workout for football players only, just so it can be a safe place for all of us to get to know each other and just uh, really target the female athlete and uh, the workouts. And um, we actually had one of our players tag both uh, Gabby and myself in it. And then that's actually how it originated. (laughs) So it's really funny. And then we started talking more about it. Um, We actually got really excited about it. And, yeah, that's where it really stemmed from. Which is yeah, really so, cool. Um, Very I nice. feel like it I just kind it. of snowballed into something. It was a suggestion, and we were both um, we both felt like we it's something that would provide value, and other people might benefit from, especially during this time when there's not that much to look forward to. Um, just giving a little something, and then someone today had said this helps provide routine to their day when they don't really have um, much going on. So I think that just having some sort of sense of normalcy is a huge benefit. 
Yeah, you know, I feel, I, and I'm not even going to lie, I also work in the health and fitness industry um, myself. Mm-hmm. I help manage one of the, uh, well, now one of the biggest fitness industry chains as far as, far as gym is concerned um, here in Des Moines. I've also, um, you know, I'm, I'm on the backside of, of what you guys do. So you guys are like the training, like the actual training aspect. And I actually have my, my uh, second degree in advanced athletic nutrition. So um, awesome. I can see, you know, I can see where you guys, are, you know, have, you know, a little bit of problems just, you know, keeping up with as much clientele, you know, clientele of you as you've gotten now, you know, with everybody not being able to go, go to the gym, you know, us not being able to have practices and team workouts and stuff like that. So it's always cool to, to see, you know, women in our, you know, in our community, you know, getting after it. I love it. Love it. I do. Oh man. <laughs> um, so what, what keeps you both so motivated, I guess, is, is my next question. Like what overall keeps you, keeps you guys motivated, you know, the both of you saying, hey, like, we're still motivated to, you know, see our sport and, and athletes going. Like, what is, like, what is, what, what's that thing that makes you both tick over all this? Um, I think Gabby and I um, really are similar with that. I'm going to let her take it away because I love hearing her say, the, say these things. <laughs> Okay. Um, so for so the passionate. past month, <laughs> the, um, the past month I've like been working with the uh, Staten Island flag football team and honestly programming their workouts and the fact that they're still getting after it while they're quarantined at home um, as a team has been super motivating for me. And that's been on Saturdays since our home opener was supposed to be uh, the, the first of April. I just, we scheduled that, and it's been like my football Saturdays, quote unquote, and that's been very special for me to uh, be able to give back in that in that way. And then, um, kind of still having that, like, still wanting to do that. And then for our level, um, especially when we're we don't have football right now, so um, trying to like keep some sort of like football mindset or football focus as we're training. And then, um, if you want to look at it in a positive light that we're all forced to focus on our weaknesses right now. And I feel like a lot of us don't really get opportunity to do that uh, with the fast pace. And like, usually during the season, you get a, you get a certain hit in that first game and the rest of the season, you're kind of like nursing it and trying to make sure that it doesn't get worse. And then now we're uh, just trying to, you know, we don't get that, but <laughs> still trying to like focus on your weaknesses and um, stay strong throughout all of this. And then the support of your teammates is, I think it's been very helpful and still getting to check in with our virtual practices and whatnot. Yeah. And we were, we were uh, talking about, um, just not having the same access um, that the men do. Um, Gabby said something funny that men are born and they're, they're handed a football while we have to wait until we're 18 to actually get to play this sport. And it's unfortunate because women have to learn and we have to develop ourselves how to train in the gym and still now to this day some people still don't know how to properly train as an athlete while the men get a strength and conditioning coach they get these workouts tailored to them the proper workouts to avoid potential injuries and um, Gabby um, as well as myself has um, suffered from ACL surgery so that really taught us how to really work on the smaller things just to avoid the bigger injuries later in the future. And it actually, it didn't take 
until we got that injury, until learning that. So it's really unfortunate, but it's the silver lining in it. Yeah, you know, in in getting, you know, kind of reinventing yourself or, you know, relearning how to do something or, you know, having to, you know, take that step back after a huge, you know, injury and surgery and recovery process with things like that, it kind of makes you, you know, rethink a bunch of things. It kind of makes you rethink how you were, you know, how you were doing things in the first place. It kind of, it kind of, you know, jumpstarts that uh, preventative, uh, you know, that a uh, preventative injury or preventative, um, you know, strain, you know, molecule in your head. Like, oh, this is what I'm doing. You know, this is what I've been doing to try to prevent this. You know, and I want to, I want to keep building off of that. So, and I think you, you both are doing a freaking phenomenal job at this and I, I'm so excited. I'm so thank glad you. you guys are on the podcast right now. I'm <laughs> thank you. Yes. Um, so my, my last question for the both of you, you ladies, cause I, I could just sit here and pick your brains all night about this. Um, so I guess really just more, more general, where can, where can people, you know, players, new players and stuff, um, you know, how can they get a hold of you guys? How, you know, how can they, you know, join in? Is this, um, is it like a Zoom call, Facebook Live, FaceTime? Like how, what's your guys' main platform as far as, um, you know, getting getting your workout information and everything out to the general public? So right well, now we're, we're um, yeah. oh, go ahead, Gary. Go, go ahead, Snow. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Okay, well, yeah. we've been doing uh, Zoom Zoom workouts, and that is how we've been doing it. Um, we've been pulling a lot of people from Instagram, and the Women's Gridiron Foundation is sponsoring what we're doing, so the Zoom workouts can go on for more than 40 minutes, which is great, at least for more time to chat a little bit and get to know each other. Um, so that's been really exciting. And, uh, yeah, so if you're looking to kind of connect with us or want to follow or support what we're doing, uh, women's fo- women's football workouts on Instagram, and um, you can check out the Facebook page, uh, which is women's football workouts handle. Um, so you can check that out, and it's just the full word spelled out. Um, Snuff, you could probably plug the uh, email address if you'd like. Yeah. So we also so we have um, the Instagram handle, um, and we also have a uh, link that you can click on to fill out your information really quick. And then we, we see that and we send an email to you personally. Um, we also have our email that people can directly email us at. Um, it's worldwidewworkout at gmail.com in case anyone wants to personally reach out to us um, with any questions or concerns that they may have um, regarding the programs or regarding um, any of the sessions or interested and want to join with us. Very nice, very nice. That's you know, like I said, um, I just adore the both of you, and I'm so glad like there's something like that, you know, something like this out here for you know specifically for our kind of athletes. I mean, all you know, all you, me, Gabby, you know, Custis, Louise, you know, everybody that's all the the co-hosts that are on the podcast, and you know, our coaches, teams, of that. Like we we know what it's like not to be able to, you know, have access to the things that we're normally used to. And, you know, being our kinds of players as far as, you know, being as passionate as we are and, you know, our, our sport still, still unfortunately slowly being fully respected and recognized as a, you know, as a, um, a meaningful sport, 
you know, right. we're always looking to yep. stay in shape. We're always looking to be prepared, you know, because you never know, you know, as soon as this, you know, as soon as, you know, all this COVID, you know, starts to settle a little bit, you never know. We could be, we could be out there, you know, back to limited practices, whatever. So we never want to, basically what I'm saying is, you know, we never want to fall off um, or, you yeah. know, or get too far behind in our training. So, and, and that's why I said, like, I'm so glad that you guys are doing this because, you know, if you, if you have people and players out there who don't quite know how to, uh, you know, how to train outside of, you know, practice or what to train outside of practice kind of thing, you know, this is a perfect, this program right here is a perfect, perfect way to get yourself inserted into a program and have a program and to get you started until, you know, keep, get you started and keep going. And even after COVID-19, uh, because I'm sure this is going to be, you know, a long-lasting thing. So, right. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you it for is. all the kind words and support. That's the goal. Absolutely. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I love. I, you know, and and I think in order for, you know, things in general as far as women's sports are concerned, women, mm-hmm. female athletes, and women have to support women more. And I think that's why oh, you yeah. guys are doing so well is for that reason alone. You know, there's so many of us, you know, you know, cohorts and, you know, you know, also fellow players and sisters, sisters of the football hood, you know, we all support each other for the most part. You know, we are all you know about getting our sport recognized, you know, on right. a, you know, on a bigger, you know, on a bigger right. platform, you know, big, big platform. So, you know, yeah. kudos to the both of you because I know putting something like this together has not been easy. Holy cow. <laughs> I know it's not easy, <laughs> but give yourselves a pat on the back, you know, and, you know, take a little bit of a break when you can because you both are out here <laughs> killing it. And I just, I for one appreciate Thank you. it. Thank well, you. We, appre- well, we women appreciate you. <laughs> oh, you know, I am all about women empowerment. I'm, Gabby, you know. You, you know my yes. thing. Yes. Like, I'm all about it. So, you know, anytime that I can help support any, you know, my fellow female, you know, or anybody who, who is on board with the affirmation of a chick, I'm all for it. All for it. <laughs> so, um, but I am going to toss it back over to Oscar for now. You ladies have a wonderful night. Feel free. To harass me, I'm definitely gonna go follow follow those pages now because I don't think I am. Thank you so much. Oh, we can't wait to see you on there. Thank you so much. Yes, yes, I will be on there. Have a good night. All right, ladies. Um, I'm still here on the pond. Okay. So, uh, Gabby and uh, Corinne, you guys have a lot of history here. You know, championships, transatlantic uh, medalists. The two national champions, uh, you know, the history with the Sharks. So you guys have mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, uh, what would you call history in terms of lin- lineage. So is this the end of your careers going forward? Or are you still guys going to just play a couple more seasons together? So let's start with you, Corinne. Um, so <laughs> this is funny. Um, funny, so, right? Um, I'm, I'm really dedicated in school. So this year I was really adamant about not playing, but Mm -hmm. I always say, uh, it's, you know, it's hard to stay away from football playing for five years already. Um, this would have been my sixth season. Um, I remember texting actually Gabby one night and I'm like, okay, I decided I'm actually going to (laughs) play. It's so hard to stay away from every year. I'm like, okay, this is the last season. Okay. This is the last (laughs) season. 
okay, this is the last season, but this is when your heart is in it and, like, football becomes a part of your world, it's, like, it's never going to leave. So it's so hard. And, like, this year I'm, like, entering grad school, so I'm, like, maybe next season I'll not play, but it's all in due time. We'll see. I know Gabby's not. <laughs> yeah. Not going to stop. Uh, I have a, I have a few more years left in me. I... <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't I don't see myself retiring in these next five years, but um, I I hope whenever Team USA tryouts happen that I'm there, and that's really been my goal since 2017. Um, so that's that's my I I I um, view every season as another opportunity to get better. And um, New York Wolves are brand new, so we're just trying to pick up where the uh, the amazing Sharks left off and. It's been great having that journey. Um, the, the Sharks were absolutely amazing. And Andrew and Dana have been such a huge help with the transition um, to becoming the Wolves. So definitely uh, see a few, a few more years left for us. <laughs> oh, for me. <laughs> Gabby, uh, you're not giving it up. I know that, right? Because you're like, uh, you're in that stubborn mode as most players are. So like, unless your bones get cracked or... <laughs> Right? Are you going to be on crutches? And then you're like, okay, even then you're probably not going to give it up for whatever yeah. reason. But um, uh, it's mean, just, yeah. you know what I mean? It's hard to give it up. In other words, that's, like, every player that we talk to says the same thing. Unless your body completely yeah. shuts down and says, I cannot no longer function at a high level, then you right. kind of right. come to that realization. Yeah. I think um, like most, like most players, when you stop seeing yourself growing as an athlete is when maybe it's time to look for the next venture, which I, I see for most greats is coaching. So I think that's an amazing transition to accumulate all the knowledge, the football knowledge you can while you're playing, and then um, taking this sport as, as far as you can until your body really can't take it anymore, and then just, you know, continuing that, giving back in what ways you can, and not really, not really leaving the sport because you can't. <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, that's the key right there. You have a lot of veterans now that at some point they're still in good shape. They're just not able to either commit to the time any longer for whatever reason or they're, they just don't want to physically do it anymore, you know, because you get to that toll stage. But they still have that mental capacity to either, you know, contribute in terms of a knowledge of football right. and kind of coach in that realm as well. And it's also a new starting point because I hear a lot of a lot of players go – you know, it's it's kind of a brand new transition. It's kind of refreshing because mm-hmm. they go from playing for so many seasons, and now your mindset is coaching, and that's also somewhat challenging too because now you start in a new, different mentality. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I've I've met some really awesome female football players that are, I think, are absolutely incredible. And then I find out that they coach in their off season off seasons, and I realize like. Once, I feel like once you start coaching and you realize that is another passion of yours, that you, when you play, you have a different scope because you're always looking for ways to get better, if not for yourself, for uh, mm-hmm. the people that you'll get to work with at some point as a coach at some point. Gabby, you have the Females Athlete's Guide to Training and Achieving Her True Potential. That's an e-book. Is that on Amazon yeah. or how is that going to be acquired once it launches? It will be found through my pages and uh, the Women's Gridiron Foundation. Um, special thanks to them. But I actually wrote it for those girls, um, the flag football team that I'm working uh, or 
working with every Saturday. Um, I really wrote it for them, and then I realized that it, it could probably help women uh, or young women like them as well um, navigate their training because, uh, as Snuff had touched on, we, we don't really have um, a, much of a background in training from a, from a young age. So I feel like everything we've learned was at a higher level and those levels didn't exist however many years ago. So there's right. a lot of information or misinformation out there. And I just wanted to put all of the resources that I know will help other women um, navigate their training in the off seasons, in preseason, in season. Um, and that there is a postseason phase that you should not skip because those, each year that like those phases play a huge part in you becoming your best athlete and um, upping your game, which is obviously the ultimate goal of seeing that women's sports actually gets recognized. And that's really where the passion lies. So that's why I wrote it. Um, but it's available this Friday and I hope it's helped someone out there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure everybody's so, um, hyped about it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to ask you guys big breakout news yesterday with the uh, NAIA and the NFL partnership with, you know, women's uh, flag on a varsity yes. scale. So, that was really huge. I know Dion Lee's yes. been trying to do it on a national scale with, you know, high school, trying to get all the high schools, you know, in the States to try to like make that a, you know, equal amount with uh, football, you know, the football, but the flag for the, for the girls. So huge, huge 2021 at this point. So that mm-hmm. could, you know, start to kick off where we maybe uh, introduce tackle uh, on a like NCAA level on a regional right. uh, scope. So hopefully that's our, you know, our next goal. That'd be amazing. Yeah. I was talking about that earlier. Just... Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Gary. Go, Seth. No, go. Um, I was talking about that earlier um, with um, it, uh, the N- the N A. Um, IA introducing that and when um, tackle football was going to be introduced on that level and I was actually explaining how before that tackle football even hits college it has to hit high school and just on that level of do high school girls want to compete in tackle football I know there are very few but is there going to be enough to really form um, different teams worldwide I know college is probably um, it would be more popular just because women are more aware of it, but younger girls um, at that level, it's kind of going to become in a question, which I hope it does eventually do develop it in, into high schools, just so um, it can become at that collegiate level and women can uh, begin at a young age um, obtaining those scholarships to get into college and then advancing to the pros. So it's all like in that pyramid kind of scheme. Yeah, and I think it makes sense because we have to start somewhat of a feeder system because, to mm-hmm. your point, there's no foundation there um, in terms of setup, right? Uh, we have the WFLA, for example, you know, at this point promising to pay players on a you know, pay, <laughs> a pay scale. So that's one league. We have the WNFC and the WFA. Uh, previous to that, the IWFL, they're all basically recreational, more pay-to-play. So it's more like college right. in a sense, right? But we've never mm-hmm. had right. uh, a, a you know a, a starting point. In other words, you know where if we had yeah. national uh, you know girls uh, flag football, that's a starting point, and then it builds up to maybe the like the Utah program, right? And then we go to right. uh, uh, tackle. So it's mm-hmm. starting right. to you know make make waves. In other words, uh, let's bring Mackenzie because she was totally excited about the news 
as well, so she can chime mm-hmm. in on that. She was totally stoked about, you know, when the announcement came in, and I was like, you know, my uh, my crew's like, hey, they just announced, uh, you know, NFL Flag is going to partner with, and everybody's all excited, but I know the Salty one was really excited to get, see the news. It's going to be amazing. It's, like, <laughs> it's a huge, huge, like, milestone for us. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and, and that's, why, that's why I was so ex- that's why I was so excited because one, I still have a year or two left of college eligibility to play. And to be completely <laughs> honest with you, I am I'm honestly. Concerned. She wants to go play fly. Like, Can I'm you honestly, go? Oh my god! Yeah, I'm, I, with I, you on I'm that. honestly concerned. <laughs> well, and so and like, so, like check it out. So you know, everybody's saying that there's. I mean, in retrospect, there's not much of a feeder system for you know, young women and, and younger girls, you know, school-age girls to, you know, go through school and being able to play football at their school, you know, before they mm-hmm. graduate high school and go to college. You know, they have the youth, they have the, some states have all the all-girls all, all youth tackle teams. There's um, there's co-ed youth tackle teams. Um, you know, and there's, uh, there's even girls playing in high school now. But, you know, in, in order for our leagues, you know, our semi-pro leagues and our pro leagues to – you know, get, you know, grow bigger as a sport. It, just like Oscar said, we have to have that feeder system. We have, so we have, like, the, there's a hole in our feeder system. So, you know, like I said, right. we've got girls playing in middle school, high school, um, both flag and tackle leagues on the youth level, and then nothing in college up until last night uh, with right. the, the, the collegiate varsity flag. So, I mean, if you figure, you know, the, let's say this um, collegiate flag starts, Let's say it starts. You know, they start recruiting and putting everything together for the for the kickoff of 2020. So maybe they play in the spring. So let's say they, you know, they turn the season into a spring and it turns into a success and it and it grows over a year or two. You know, schools enrollments go up, athletic you know revenue goes up a little bit more. I mean, honestly, I honestly don't see why women's tackle doesn't end up being on a collegiate level and it may not hit, mm-hmm. but you know, the power five or the NCAA bigger division, but starting at the NAI level where, um, you know, big talent has been able to come out from as far as, you know, NFL and big colleges is a, is a wonderful start. I mean, you have to it's start something. somewhere and you can't just, right. yeah, you, you know, you can't just jump into NCAA big divisions. You have to start at the lower level and go from there. Mm-hmm. Right. We'll take it any way we can. That's, Absolutely. That's oh, yeah. <laughs> Very exciting. Very exciting. I played flag in football. Yeah, everybody's. I think, is on board with it because I think the goal is to get, like, 40 schools to participate, and I, I don't think that's going to be a problem. You know what I mean? Nationwide, mm-hmm. to get 40 schools to participate. Once those uh, Once that participation is set, it's going to be like Georgia, where now it becomes a natural thing for the state. So uh, apparently they're supposed to hold the uh, the invitational next uh, or the national invitational flag football national event in 2022. So there's a little bit of time to uh, get Mackenzie on board, and maybe she'll be on that field somewhere <laughs> in Iowa. You know, so and, and the other thing is, is I've had and the most of the feedback that I've gotten from you know sharing this topic and talking about it, like, and I even did a live video one of my one of the numerous sports groups that I'm in, um, I did uh, like a 30 minute video uh, last night talking about it. And after I got off the video, you know, I had people, you know, different people adding me because they've even not seen me before or they've seen me in other groups, you know, for playing football. And I said, and that, that's the thing is, is 
football has no gender. Just like I said before, you know, when yes. we had our roundtable discussion before we brought you guys in, you know, sports, mm-hmm. although there are two genders, sports should not and really don't at this point need to have a gender. Like, it, that's not – it's literally uh, – athletics is literally based on how well you physically perform the activity. It doesn't matter if I am a girl and I have these chromosomes or you're a guy and you have these chromosomes. If we're out here putting our right. bodies at risk and our mind at risk to do the same things for, mm-hmm. to prepare – to essentially meet the same goals and achievements, that 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 is not gender specific at all. And I think that's the biggest thing with getting women's football because unfortunately, you know, sports are still looked at as being genderized. Getting women's football in general, worldly recognized, you know, as a meaningful sport is because gender is still attached to it. Right. It's true. It should be focused more on athletic ability as opposed to gender. And it's sad that it's 20 20 and it's still like that but again the the stepping stone is the the NAIA recognizing that and making flag football collegiate sport it's going to really allow um, younger women to recognize that opportunity they have um, playing flag football and really just trying to obtain that scholarship into uh, college absolutely it's, it's also amazing. What, you know, and that's the other thing is good mm-hmm. oh I was going to say it's also like that just being instated, it, there are so many, I'm sure, girls that want and have interest in playing but just don't see much of a future in that. And now that it's, it's really encouraging, and I'm sure it's going to cause it another just huge wave of football enthusiasts, and they're going to be females, and they're going to be amazing. And it's, it's very exciting. Great. I'm very excited for the future female football. And... <laughs> I think everybody's missing the point, right? that girls and women outnumber now everybody in general to a male state, especially in high school as well. You know what I'm saying? I'm, yeah. I'm just saying, everybody's missing the boat. You know, and it's like, it, if you get to the stage of where you write numbers, because that's what they base their budgets on, right? They write mm-hmm. their numbers yeah. based on, you know, how many boys and girls are, are, are available for sports. And that's that number has increased already over like seven years. So it's like Deanne was saying, right? Like, why don't we have, you know, uh, in the high school level? I mean, Georgia is one of the handful of states that has sanctioned the sport as a high school sport, right? You would think that shouldn't be the case, as we're talking about here, with this equal to equal, right? You know, there's a boys' flag and there's girls' flag taking forever to do that because I don't think anybody's realized the value of it. I think really the Mm -hmm. value is there now. And I think the reality is here because um, I think – hooking up with, uh, I think, Raining Champs Experiences, which is, uh, I believe, they operate camps and leagues. Uh, I think that was a good idea by the NFL and the NIA because they're not going to really run that. It's going to be that organization that's going to execute it. And if it's executed at a good uh, level, like we talked about here, 40 schools, which shouldn't be a big deal for get, to get 40 schools nationwide to have a full you know, flag program, then the tackle program should come if if it if this is successful at some point you know in a year or three as a goal, then we should have tackle. The, the only problem with tackle, I think, right. is the burden of expense and the liability of you know of the liability. Yep. I think yep. that's really where everybody yep. sits. And but you know what? At the same token, what nobody cares about the liability on the men's side in terms of the NCAA, right? It's covered. So I can right. I guess that's an excuse, right? Yeah. I think this is really um, when numbers, like you say, um, when numbers start to show, 
this is really going to show that women are really interested and really want to take that step into mm-hmm. the next level of tackle football. And I think maybe this is what they want to see before they really introduce it, like you said, on that, on that next level of tackle as opposed to flag. Yeah, I mean, if you the, think the about uh, what Utah's done and you think about what the Manitoba in Canada has done for the two, for the two tackle programs there, uh, those are very outstanding programs in both states. So I, I guess the flag is, is our bread and butter, basically. We have to start there mm-hmm. and show value for them to say, okay, we, we can support, you know, the full, the full kit side. And right. if the NFL sees value in it, I don't see why they wouldn't, right? I mean, that's their sport. They already have the liability right. built in. They have all the mechanisms for that to make it happen. Um, so, yeah, I, it should be – I mean, it, I, I'm excited for it. I mean, this is just huge. And then um, you guys heard, right, the – the uh, the the pro league, the uh, American uh, football uh, flag football league, that that was started by the NFL players, um, that is now going to have the women's branch as well. So that's going to be a pro a pro league as well. So that's uh, that's a good oh, wow. sign on both sides. Yeah. So that was that was announced wow. a, almost a, what six seven months ago. So uh, yeah. because of COVID, uh, this COVID thing just sucks. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> It does. Because of COVID, everything is ruined. And uh, Carl Baskin, <laughs> as um, Salty's point, she's ruined everything for us. It's, it's, look, I've heard. Carol Baskin is to blame for all of it. I don't care what nobody says. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing her no, husband in Tigers and stuff, like she's cool. <laughs> yeah, Ma- Max not happy with Carol Baskin right now. So uh, she, she, if she's going to ruin no, anything, she ruined, it. Life she ruined it already. 2020. <laughs> All right, well, Gabby and Corinne, uh, I wish you guys success. Um, if you guys need to come back on here for anything, promo or anything like that, you guys are welcome back. Just chime me in, let me know. We'll hook you guys up. Um, so let everybody know. You go to IG, and uh, you can see the talented Coach Gabby and Coach Snub, uh, and she they're on the uh, – uh, on the IG, so let let everybody know what the IG handle is and how they can get a hold of you guys via email and all your social sites, so that way everybody can start getting themselves ready for 2021. No, can I go, Okay. <laughs> so we got um our handle is Women's Football Workout, and um, actually, if you just go to that page, you'll find everything. You'll find Snuff. You'll find me and our email. Uh, we are always on there posting, if not content, uh, when our workouts are, and that is the place to find us. Um, we'll gladly hook you up and um, look forward to hopefully working with some of you guys. That would be fantastic. Corinne, don't be afraid to reach out to us. <laughs> We're always open to. Um, if you want to direct message us on IG, or if you want to uh, directly send us a personal email at worldwide uh, workout at gmail.com um, just saying hey um, your name is you're interested and we'll send you all the details um, we'll send you forms um, and we'll just uh, let you know a little bit more detail about the sessions and the workouts and a little bit more about um, Gabby and I um, if you want to know more about that so don't be afraid to reach out awesome so you guys I wish you success and we're going to be keeping an eye on you guys as well. And uh, two amazing champions here, uh, Corinne De Jesus and Coach Gabriela Farrell. 
of the New York Wolves, as well as part of the WFA, and previous to that, the historic New York Sharks. So, ladies, thank you for coming on and giving us the insights on your new venture, and we uh, wish you success. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you again. This is All right. Uh, Mackenzie, there you go. Totally, uh, these girls are going to kill it. I mean, they got passion. They're champions. They know what they they know what they what it takes. This is a brand new adventure for everybody. I think you know zooming and and uh, shifting right to a mobile device on a laptop. I mean, you even got Jen Wal- <laughs> Jen Walter doing you know sessions uh, on a laptop. So it's like it's it's doable. Yeah, you know this. Like I said, this is um, this is a good thing. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, really, any time that you know you see other women empowering women is, you know, I'm pretty much going to be on board with it. But the fact that the initiative itself is so pure, you know, wanting to keep wanting to, you know, keep the the success and progress of you know female players alike is you know I was is what I personally believe their goal is to like to me, and that's something I can appreciate, especially because. You know, with the times that we're that we have now, we can't exactly get back in the in the, the gyms and fitness facilities and team practices right away. So this is just this is good stuff. I just I love this. I will add, uh, Mackenzie. They're both linebackers, so there's no quit. You know what I mean? Because oh, yeah. linebackers are no, no quit. Both of them, so they got no quit here. They got a lot of fire. Absolutely. Yeah, they got a lot of fire, and they're very passionate about what they do, and they really, really want to help. Uh, other players as well. And to their point, you know, they've gone through some setbacks and they totally understand some of those, uh, you know, some of the journey there. And so I, I think, like you said, it's very genuine. They really want to excel. And so uh, check it out on the IG page, uh, Women's uh, Football Workouts, and uh, they'll hook you up, get you motivated, and also get you on the right path to uh, uh, fitness success. So that's what we want. So check it out. Uh, Coach Gabby's awesome. And, uh, Obviously, Corinne's an amazing linebacker, too. So both of them are very outstanding athletes as well. All right. So, Mackenzie, let's bring in our X-League insider. We're going to be talking about uh, the X-League, and hopefully we have a season. The WFA announced the cancellation of the 2020 season, Mackenzie, and that was one of your fears, and the fear became reality with COVID. So uh, we have to wait till 2021 now. No WNFC, no WFA. Yeah, and to be honest, I'm still not super convinced that both of them are going to be all the way canceled. I think everybody is still going to try to play in 2020, whether it is a modified version of both leagues' regular seasons. That very well could be. But at this point, I just don't believe that things are totally canceled. I just I don't believe that. Um, I just don't. And I, to be honest, I don't think I'm going to believe it. So that's just me, though. It was announced, Mackenzie. So maybe you need to wake up and out of your dream. Well, I mean, of course it was announced, but I mean, I can announce all day that I'm the salty one, but that doesn't mean it's actually true. I mean, <laughs> it is, true. but you know, it's just a. I'm just, you know, I'm saying, Oscar. You know, I could say I could blame this whole thing on Carol Baskin, but you know, that's also almost true. Carol Baskin's Thanks. She's been doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Carol Baskin. Yeah. Just, I think she I, killed her husband. What do you think? I think she did kill her husband. 
Yeah, you know, feeding him the tiger is probably one of the smartest ideas. <laughs> oh. you know, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> You're so bad. You're so bad. I was like throwing a steak out there. <laughs> All right. Let's here, bring boy. in Nate here uh, because I don't think Nate has a problem with Carol Baskin. And if he does, he's probably going to he's gonna mention. Uh, are you a fan I, of Carol I don't know Baskin? what I walked into, and I don't want any part of it. <laughs> Mackenzie says she might throw she might throw you to the wolves. Get you rid of you too. Well, right about now it sounds better than being stuck in here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Good god! Great. All right, Nate. Uh, are we going to have an X League season or not? What's your gut telling you here? Up in the air. I, you know what? With the way each league is dropping like flies, I have serious doubt they will get a season under their belt, even if they are saying one home, one away. I seriously don't buy it. Okay, so you think we're not going to even have a season, right? No. Okay. All right, so let's kick it off here. Uh, the Austin Sound, okay, uh, recruits a couple players from – Liga del, del Pacifico, as well as some of the players from Women's Football League in Mexico. Pez, um, there's a couple players from uh, down south. Uh, I think it was, uh, let me see here. I'm looking at the roster right now. As we, um, Silvia Fernandez. Um, what is the other person that was on here? Um, uh, Monica Avila. Yes, there was a couple players. Uh, the returning players, Garza Quintero, which is a standout. Mm-hmm. Uh, we obviously get the return of Misty Gonzalez, of course, Manny Pena, Cassandra Bills, which is badass. Uh, you got um, the return of the quarterback, of course, Michelle Angel, which is the face of the Superstar Series now. Uh, Rachel Washington returns. Um, so do you think Austin, if the season is played, do you think Austin becomes uh, the team, a team to look at and say this could be a contending team? Well, you know, we saw the last couple of seasons of LFL. They were really starting to come into their own and having that veteran power come back as well as additions of players that, you know, obviously, like we said, main names for themselves down in Mexico really helps. Um, the the leadership has played a big part in that too. But I do see um, looking at just name alone and then looking at the, the firepower I know within that roster, I do see them – as as a contender, do I see them sticking together if there isn't a season this year? Who's to say? But right now we've got 20, uh, what I see, 20 top-tier athletes ready to go, and I think sound will be the force to be reckoned with in the um, on the Western side of things. All right, so you have um, Cassandra Bills as weapons for um, Angel. you got uh, Allie Fan as a weapon for Angel there on the wide receiver side. Uh, Monica Avila uh, from down south at the running back position. Maddie Smith at the running back position. Um, so you, we have some offensive weapons, uh, as, as well as Manny Pena, which is uh, the last couple of seasons have been pretty pretty durable. Uh, you also have Rachel Washington. We don't know how durable it is, but she's very talented at that point. Uh, the other the other ones are uh, Alisa Cole. And then if you go on the defensive side of things, uh, of course, you have um, Anshia Shaley, who is also going to be one of the Superstar Series athletes. 
Um, you get to the cornerbacks, uh, Norma Estrada, um, the tight ends, um, Jessica Green. Uh, Anna Garza returns at, free, at, at uh, strong safety. Um, so the tight end, uh, Gonzalez. So, like I said, this is this is a very good team. It's, it reminds me of Seattle Miss of a, like two years ago. They're very, very talented. Right, exactly. And that's why I see that they are a force to be reckoned with. You know, as you listed those off, it just shows right there how balanced they have it on both sides of the ball. Um, and I was I was going to say, you know, easily most people would point to the Seattle Mist and go, well, you know, they've been the top dog for so long. And, you know, me being based here in Seattle, I could say the same thing. But you got to look at where other teams bounce things out, where they put their strong sides, and what they put their um, – I know they don't put any money into it, but where they put their their trust in and looking at the fact that you've got – like just looking at the offensive line, you've got Bills and Fannis, two incredible targets for Michelle, and then you've got the running backs who up, – up and down this list, I looked at all all four of them. I looked at some of the um, numbers from the veterans of years past plus some of the stuff from the new ones. Uh, I mean, you've got speed, you've got arm, you've got distance. Uh, that's, you know, that's knocking off the checklist right there. So offensive line, great. Uh, defensive side, I mean, couldn't ask for more. I Again, I looked up a lot of the stats for a lot of these people, and it's just – it's it's stacked. It's an, it's a term we normally use for the for Seattle, but Austin is stacked. All right, uh, Mac, thoughts on it? I mean, it's pretty pretty stacked, and a lot of those players that we just named, Cassandra Bills, pretty fast. Uh, Rachel Washington, Misty Gonzalez, some of those players we already kind of are familiar with. But it looks like this is a good team if they have a season. Of course, we're on the if again, just like we were a month ago with the WFA. Yeah, you know, um, I don't really have anything because if the X League ends up having a season, this team is winning the whole thing. Do you really feel that they're that that much talented? Because the roster does look like a lot of talent. I mean, they got a lot of weapons there. It's very very scary. And then Michelle Angel has a great year like she had last year and the year before, which is, you know, putting it together. Um, you know, this is seven on seven. That's why it's so fast. You know what I mean? It makes it makes a lot of difference when you have a lot of uh, talented players that, that are uh, fast and speedy. So a lot of them are very, very uh, athletic, and that makes a big difference as well. So I think that that uh, would be one of the favorites for me. It would be Austin, just because of Angel's leadership. I think she would, they would be considered front runners. Yeah, and I think with and when you look at it with the entire roster of talent that they have now, almost every position that that they have on the field, both offensively and defensively, they have some kind of veteranship. And I right. I think that's the, been the difference between the big powerhouse teams in the X League and the ones that are just getting off the ground is like the ones that, you know, even though they may be newer, they have a lot of veteran experience mm-hmm. just, you know, set aside from the ones that don't, but, you know, seem to go pretty far, um, either have, you know, a mix of the veteran ex- experience as far as coaching-wise or player-wise. There's, I haven't seen a team yet that's got both, that's got, you know, both the counteracting coaching, you know, lots of coaching experience and then a bunch of player experience throughout the roster. So this is going to be, this is going to be a, a, an interesting season, you know, if, if and when it happens for 2020. 
All right, Nate, let's move on to Seattle, your neck of the woods. Um, Katie Whalen returns at center. She's been very durable, very reliable, makes minimal mistakes, especially with Matheny when she had Matheny there. Um, we have Savannah Wood returning at middle linebacker. Ashley Baker, um, our girl out there um, as well, Stacy Jackman, our New York football athlete at defensive end. Uh, Kara Williams at wide receiver, uh, Jessica Howard at wide receiver. Um, you have who else do we have on here? Um, uh, Salerno of all of all people uh, is going to lead the the Thunder if if and when we have a season. Um, right. So that makes them already just a credible team to lead there. Mosley returns as well. Brianna Mosley. Um, you have. Uh, some rookies in place. It's a veteran-led team from a, you know, for the most part, a veteran-led team. So this has got to both well for Seattle, and then you bring in the snake uh, after Matheny leaves. Um, so it kind of just keeps it at the same level, I guess. Yeah, you know, that was that was a surprise to me uh, above all else that we got we got Salerno. Um, but you're right, it does. It, it keeps that um, that skill level in check, and it keeps it where it was with uh, KK at the helm, that quarterback. My biggest concern, I, I see a balanced roster. My biggest concern, thinking back over last year, actually the last couple of years, where they just barely made it, and then last year winning the, ex, uh, the Legends Cup, is staying healthy. I think it's more at this point making sure you have players that you're – Make sure you're rotating right, you're using right, and that they're just they're they're staying healthy. You've got Chris Michelson still at the helm, incredible head coach, you know, Hall of Fame resume. But the biggest problem is the last few years they've come limping across the finish line. And last year, I personally think they got lucky. They looked good in the championship game, but they got lucky, and they had people get healthy at the right time. But they've got to maintain that through the whole year, regardless of the number of games. I think reality right now for them offensively would be the running game. Uh, we don't know what a Lindsey Anderson brings to the table. We have no idea right. what a Jasmine Carter is going to bring to the table. Uh, the run game at this point, we already know defensively they're pretty stout and they've done a really good job. Uh, the snake at the helm. Uh, Mackenzie, uh, Ashley Salerno, pretty much a legend in this league since day one, and she's won championships with Los Angeles previous to that. So uh, her moving to Seattle at this point, if if we do have a season, uh, that right there just there's no drop off at quarterback, so that's a, I guess a good thing for the Thunder. Yeah, you know, and and you can almost you can almost actually use this um, in the same um, analogy and situation as the Tom Brady going Tom Brady and Gronk going from New England to the Buccaneers now. There'll be no drop off yeah. in quarterback, you know, quarterback and mm-hmm. tight end uh, concern with um, with Tampa Bay, and the same thing will will happen over in Seattle with um, with her having moved over there now. Yeah, and I think Salerno gives them great credibility. Um, she has a young receiving core in uh, Brianna Mosley. Um, I think the other receivers is Ashley Baker. We got our, our tight end Emily Snyder. We have no idea what she's capable of doing. Um, you got Jessica Howard, uh, Kara Williams. We know what she's able to do. So there's a nucleus there. 
Jackman at defense is a leader. Uh, Woods on defense. So, uh, Nate, at this point, uh, I felt we start here because these are the two teams I think that we would we would look at initially first. Not to say that you know Omaha, Chicago, and Atlanta, and you know that kind of deal is not going to be you know relevant. But I really think these are the two the two top squads given Salerno and Michelle Angel at the helm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. I mean, top to bottom, both rosters, um, really, really steadfast and strong. And uh, it's going to come down to you know who's got the who's got the better skill and who steps up uh, who steps up harder. All right. So uh, Mackenzie and Nate, let's talk about this because we've got 15 minutes. Um, Mackenzie, let's start with you. We have WNFCCL on WFLA live on IG with the CEO of the WFLA and uh, Odessa and Lupe Rose one-on-one and sort of a nice mutual agree and disagree type mentality. Uh, there was some pushback and push forward. Uh, the WFLA is promising to pay players, of course, and she stood, uh, she stood for that since day one. She's still, uh, we're talking about Lupe Rose here, saying that that's her goal. She's mm-hmm. going to want to accomplish that and get to the next level. Uh, the WNFC has a different route, obviously big major sponsors at this point, uh, Riddell and Adidas. Her path is different, obviously. Uh, the claim, Mackenzie, is, the WFLA claims that apparently, you know, uh, the WNFC has taken advantage of players because they have to pay to play, which has been the model for a long, long time. Um, you know, the WNFC pushback is uh, you haven't proven that you're paying a player yet until you show up for a season. So where, where do you stand at this point, Mackenzie? Obviously, I got to, you know, stick with my girl OJ because I mean, really, she's she's right, and you know, I mean, and she's she's no more correct than, than than what you and I and you know the Gridiron Blitz crew and friends, you know, and staff members have been saying. You know, it's it's different. You can say and you can say a bunch of things and you can have a plan for a bunch of things, but until you step your game up, like we do in the WNFC, and come out with a season. It's all intangible. People love tangible things. People love things that they can work towards. People love things that they can actually see happening and being created. The WSLA has not done that yet. And I think the fact that they, that um, OJ and Lupe were able to go back and forth about this topic, you know, of um, the WSLA playing, you know, saying that they're going to pay player, play, pay females, um, and essentially, you know, OJ putting her in her tracks and saying you haven't even come out with a schedule or a season yet, um, you know, says wonders for where where we are as a league in terms of that. All right. Uh, Nate, I think the battle here is w, WCW versus WWE. What do you think? Oh, I'd agree with you on that. I, I think, you know, it, it is that whole element that in came WCW with total – on experience and WWE being the the top dog, but I would I would agree with um, with um, with Mackenzie. I got to side with the the WNFC. Um, they they haven't proven themselves. I mean, you and I I can think back 
months ago around the a few months ago back around the the Super Bowl they were supposed to have that big uh celebrity all-star flag football thing to start promoting themselves and that got canceled because of a little rain supposedly and then we you know jumped forward and our another conversation we had was they had a they had somewhat of a schedule set and then they jumped to well we're going to have exhibition games and then finally the last time you and I talked they were making uh, Lupe and the, the crew they were making this big claim that they wanted to sell out uh Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum and not only do that but do it by you know having a concert and the football being extra they have not proven themselves they're making a bunch of big claims and it this is all a pipe dream right now and you know WNFC has played games they've had seasons they've they've proven they can do it and yeah you know players still have to pay but until a league has a season and can show that they pay the players. They don't have a leg, or actually, at this point, they don't have any legs to stand on. All right, Mackenzie, um, the battle was, you know, between the two COs. Uh, yesterday, I believe, the WFLA commissioner came out, and he was a little more cordial about it, saying we still need a WFA and a WNFC in order for the WFLA to succeed because they still we still need feeder systems, right? So the WFLA and the WNFC, in the view of the WFLA, is the WFA and WNFC become, I guess, the NCAA college model mentality? Uh, well, see, and, and kind of like, you know, we, we've just talked about, you have to have a tangible something for that, for that to even, you know, think about being taken place. And to be honest, to be honest, Right now, I mean, and even without even without COVID at at this point, let's let's not even put COVID nineteen as a factor because they started trying to mm-hmm. you know get get things together and you know get some kind of a smaller marketing plan type type thing to get start getting their name out there before um, is is really the is really the only difference at this point like. The WNFC, WFA, uh, USWFL, and the IWFL, when they were an installment, really were considered and still are considered the top tier of women's football, whether it's, you know, whether it is a paid, you know, whether we pay to play or get, you know, get paid at some point, because those leagues are tangible. They have tangibles. They've been in installments before and for a while as well. So, and I, and I don't, I think that's, that's one thing the, the, Coaches and and um, you know owner general manager Lupe isn't quite isn't quite understanding is you have to have something tangible for somebody to 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 invest into it. All right, so Nate, we got a lot of players jumping ship. Uh, you know they're going on uh, doing their uh, uh, letters of intent, and the WFLA is actually recruiting from WNFC WFA. Uh, so in, as an example, this week, uh, Tatiana Blaze, who played for the Detroit Dark Angels, is going to sign up with the Denver Golden Rush. A couple Canadian players signed in as well this week. Uh, the Priscilla Gardner, who used to play for the uh, – or apparently she's with the Warriors, uh, or the Cali War, also signed with the Flames. Uh, about nine players from the uh, from the Guam Women's Tackle Football League. Uh, you can get the article at the hub at mm-hmm. facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties including uh, the Ita- Italian Ambria Mar- uh, Marucci, Marucci, 
she's going to come over to the New York Stars. Um, we're having virtual camps starting uh, this week. Uh, we've got the Phoenix Red Tails on May 9th, Miami Jewels on May 17th, the Birmingham Bombshells on May 16th. Uh, we are supposed to have an actual combine July 18th in Vegas, and the schedule also has a second WFLA draft on August 22nd at the MGM Grand in Vegas. So a lot of big things happening in this league in terms of news and notes on a daily basis, uh, especially on their IG uh, page at WFLA underscore football. So, uh, Nate, I mean, they're making they're making noise, they're making news. Um, at this point, it's I guess wait and see. That's what the CEO is saying. Wait and see. Yeah, I guess it has to be. I mean, and it's interesting because you, you mentioned the, the, the commissioner of the league, and he certainly doesn't have that good of a track record either. I'd liken him to Mitch Mortaz in a lot of ways with his past resume. But, um, you know, I, I yeah, wait and see, and we'll we'll see if this remains a sort of a, a, a dream in a dark tunnel and doesn't happen or if it, you know, maybe gets an exhibition game off or two. But I will – um, I will repeat what Savannah Woods said when this WFLA news first started and say, good luck to you players in going over there, but I'm not going to be surprised if you come running back. Mac, I think that the everybody's right now, everybody's jumping ship because everybody wants to get paid, right? It's really, that's the scale. That's what, um, that's what Odessa said to her basically. Hey, your only pitch right now is that you're saying you're pay, you're going to pay players, and that's it. There's no football structure in place at this point. Uh, we're still a year out, of course, so a lot of things can happen within now and then. Uh, since we only have a couple minutes here, give me your thoughts. Yeah, you know, I gotta again, I gotta roll with Boss Lady. You know, she's right. Like that's really the only pitch that they have is that they're saying that they're going to pay players. Now, you know, just like you said who knows what happens in the next 365 days or, you know, just shortly there around that year later mark. Um, I mean, it really depends. And I mean, and to be quite honest, like I said, I have no, I have no shame, you know, stating this because it just, it just means that, you know, somebody's recognizing my talent on, you know, someone else out there is recognizing my talent, but I've had a couple teams from um, the WFLA like coaches, um, in my Instagram inbox trying to recruit me for, for the WFLA. And I said, I posted, um, I had posted a screenshot of it on one of OJ's statuses. And then I had sent uh, my general manager and uh, team owner the screenshots too. And I said, like, I don't want to be rude, but I'm not leaving my league. I mean, cause there's not nothing y'all can do that they haven't done for me or, or haven't, you know, tried to do for me so far so I'm now like and they're tangible like they they are elite the WNFC is elite right the WFA is elite they, they have tangible and I don't again I don't I, think I don't think that's I don't the hesitation I guess if you're if you're in uh, in that in that realm um I think OJ's point is you can recruit athletes but are they football players if there's a big difference right. between yep. a football player and an athlete and that was her point to uh, the WFLA. So we'll see how good of a job the WFLA will be to recruiting football players and what kind of football product they're going to have. So we got a, a 12 months. Uh, the commissioner of the WFLA is very uh, 
optimistic that this will happen and, and we'll launch in a positive manner and obviously pay players. So, and then the CL is very confident with that too. So we will wait and see. So guys, it's been great coming in here. Uh, what a big show today. Have the hall of famer here as well. Um, and then we have the two amazing athletes, uh, Gabriella Farrell and Corinne De Jesus of the New York Wolves. And they're obviously doing their venture with the women's football workouts on IG. You can go check it out there and get registered and get set up. And then uh, Nate here bringing the X League Insider News with the rostering. So, uh, Mackenzie, thanks for coming in. I really appreciate it. I know you're uh, busy, busy, and you're doing all your college stuff and everything else. So I really, really appreciate you coming in and, and giving us some time as well. So we will talk NFL offseason news, uh, news and notes next week. But uh, at this point, what a jam-packed two hours. So I really appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, you know, always I, a pleasure, Oscar. Even though being – yeah, absolutely. I always I always enjoy coming on the podcast, even if I'm salty or not. You know, it's how we do, Oscar. We're the top podcast for football around. It's a thing. Amen. People need to hop on board. And Carol Baskin needs to huh? stay out of people's homes and TV screens. That's – We'll leave it at that because that's where we're at. We're we're uh, Carol Baskin haters, so <laughs> we're with the salty one. That's a fact. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for coming on. We'll catch you on 320, but uh, thanks for coming on and really appreciate it. And we'll be uh, replaying this one if you want. If you want to get the insights on the equal pay uh, from the Hall of Famer, just rewind and you get the notice right there at the beginning of the hour. So check it out. We'll be here for 320. Thanks again, Nate and Mac. Appreciate it. Have a great night, everybody.